So, good. So that's the Shulchan Aruch. And um, before we jump into the mission of Baruch and the other post game, I want to take a step back and say, what's the history? Where did this whole idea of Kippah come from? Okay? This is so, like that is above. Oh, so that's where... But, but let's ask from a historical perspective. Where does it say in the Torah, in the Chumash, that you have to wear a kippah? What is the source for that? You're looking at me funny. It's a trick question, right? It says in the Torah, And Yaakov went. And would Yaakov have went without a kippah? God forbid. So it must be... Stop. That's just a joke. So it doesn't say in the Torah that you have to wear a kippah. Uh, there are some allusions to the concept of a head covering. So, for example, the Torah requires an Kohen Gadol to wear a hat. It's called a mitznefet. So, there's an idea of wearing a cool hat, but again, that's only for the Kohen Gadol. So, it's not for your regular Joe Shmo. So, no, we don't see necessarily that people were wearing kippahs in the Torah. So, where do we see more about the concept of kippah? In the Talmud. And there are several uh, Gemarot, we won't go through all of them, but we'll mention a few, where it does talk about people wearing kippahs. And we'll have to be keeping in mind when we read these Gemaros, um, A, why are we wearing kippah? And B, is it an obligation to wear kippah? Or seemingly a nice thing to do during the Talmudic era? So, let's see. Let's go through the Gemara. Again, you're saying now it is a, it's an application. I'm asking, okay, but in the Gemara itself, let's keep an open mind, was an obligation back then. Because we do know that sometimes uh, it was not an obligation and it evolved to become an ob- obligation. So I'm asking, going back to Talmudic times, was it an obligation or was it a minhag? Was it a custom? Was it a nice thing to do? Okay, so let's look in the Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos tells an interesting story. So, the mother of Rav Nachman was once told by an astrologer, a Chaldean astrologer from this place, Your son is going to be a thief. She could tell, he could tell the astrologer that he's got, you know, thief tendencies. So what did she do? Lo she would never let her son go without his uh, head covering. She said to her son, if I'm going to cover your head this way, you're going to always have the fear of God, the awareness of God. And she also davened. Of course, her son didn't know why he was always wearing a, head, a kippah, and nobody else was. So one day, uh, he's sitting, Ravuna is, Ravnachman is sitting under uh, a day tree. And he's learning. And his kippah or his head covering blows away. He looks up and he can't hold himself back. He jumps onto this date tree, not his date tree, somebody else's date tree, and he starts just like biting into the date. Okay? Because he didn't have his head covering. 
That's the end of the story. So, what can we learn from this interesting story? There's a few things you can infer from this. Two important things for our purposes. Okay? One is, what's the goal, at least in this story, what does the keeper help us with? What's, it, what's its purpose? What do you think? That you can make brachot with kibbutz. Yeah, without it you can't. Oh, interesting. So we'll get back to that point in just a few moments. Actually, good, good point. Um, so I, I'm thinking in terms of the goal, the purpose of the kibbutz. We see that it imbues Rav Nachman with a certain amount of fear of God, awareness of of Hashem. It could be just symbolic. It reminded him. It seems almost more just spiritually, metaphysically. Uh, it has some sort of spiritual shmirah upon you, because as soon as the kippah blew off, you know, he lost his fear of God, and he was stealing, you know, going back to his nature. Yeah, like, what you like the other day, like, one day it was very windy, I was walking at King George, and kippah blew away, and I, I was able to pick it up, but then I decided to put it in my pocket, one look at it, and I hope you didn't do anything too crazy no, that no, time, no, no, no jumping on uh, date trees, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, so the first thing that's really interesting about this Gemara is it almost seems like there's a spiritual, metaphysical idea, but it's certainly there to imbue fear of God, something we all need. Uh, the other interesting thing about this story is that it certainly implies not, like, not everyone was wearing a kippah back then. Um, you know, unless you want to say, well, maybe later people want, were started wearing kippah, but when they were little kids, they didn't wear kippah. Maybe. You could read it in a lot of ways, but I would say the simple reading of Gemara here in Kufnun Vav is that it was a special extra thing to wear a kippah, but not everyone wore kippahs. Okay? Maybe also we see there's a concept of putting a kippah on a child, even you know when he's a young child, which we'll hopefully have time to get back to in the practical halacha segment. Okay? Now, there's a few other Talmudic uh, Gemaras. Let's go to Kiddushin Lamed Aleph. The Gemara in Kiddushin says, we saw this before. You shouldn't walk upright. You shouldn't walk arrogantly. And then, Rav Huna Breder of Yehushua, Lo Maske Arba Amos Reish. He never went for Amos with his head uncovered. Okay? Why? Amra Shechina Lemala Meroshi. He said, God's presence is on top of my head. Okay? So how can I walk without a kippah on my head? That's the end of the Gemara. So, if you, what can we learn from this Gemara? So first of all, we see the juxtaposition of between arrogance. Second of all, here, is on a, it's saying, what's the point of kippah? As a reminder that God's presence is on top of our head. Okay? So it's not as necessarily crazy spiritual metaphysical, it's just to remind you of the God's presence. And, again, I think the simple reading of the Gemara implies that not everyone was wearing a kippah. Because he's praising himself as going out of his way to have a head covering, implying that not everyone used to do that back then. Okay? Similarly, in the Gemara in Kuf Yud Ches, I'm in Beit, Rav Huna, basically different rabbis are going around talking about um, different good practices that they were extra special in. So 
you know, shy. Oh, you could say, I always have, uh, you know, I never speak Lashon Hara, this rabbi says. This rabbi says, oh, I, you know, I'm very careful about Tznias or whatever. So, one rabbi, Rav Nachman says he was careful about having Shalash Shudis. And Rav Yehuda says he would always have a Yun Tfila, he would learn about davening. Rav Huna, Rav Shua says, give it up to me, Titi Li. The lo sagina dalat amos begiloi rosh that I never went for amos. All right, there, there's that four amos again, the six to eight feet, without head covering on. So again, this I think it's the third gemara, which a careful reading implies I think that not everyone was doing this, that this is a nice, wonderful thing to do, but back in Talmudic times, not everyone was walking around necessarily with a kippah on their head. Okay? Good. Beautiful. All right. I have a few more uh, proofs, indications that um, back in the day, not everyone wore a kippah. Okay? In the Mishnah Torah, written by the Rambam, Maimonides writes, Hilchosteus, Perikhe, above. By the way, like, sorry, I forgot to do this before. If you want, you're very welcome to follow along uh, in your own source sheet, but you can also just follow with me, whatever you want. So, Maimonides writes in source 7, Sni'ut dolan o'agim ta'amidei chachamim ba'atzman. The Ramam writes, Ta'amidei chachamim were very um, sanua. How will we tra- translate sanua? Uh, modest. Yeah. Lo yitbazu velo yitgalu roshan velo gufan. They never... Uh, revealed their heads, they would always have their heads covered. Okay? So, from the fact that the Ramam is saying that Tamidi Chachamim would always have their head covering, what can you infer about regular folk? About non Tamidi Chachamim? That probably they did have their heads uncovered. Okay? So, this too could be uh, an indication that back in Maimonides' times, in the 12th century or so, so not everyone was walking around with a kippah on their heads. There was a custom already developing with Torah scholars, but not everyone was doing it. Okay? By the way, um, I forgot to mention this. There is another Gemara. Very interesting Gemara. The source for Bir Chosashachar. And the Gemara in Brachos. Okay? So the Gemara in Brachos says that in the olden days you wouldn't walk to shul and say 15 blessings but as it was happening you would say the blessing okay, so right before a person opened his eyes he would say he would open up his eyes right and that's how it went um, until until we get to a bracha called Oter Yisrael Betif Ara um, which means who girds us with glory and then you put on a, a, a head cover. So if you read this more carefully, you can learn a few things. First of all, apparently there was an idea of some sort of head covering. Um, but second of all, if they said the blessing before they put their head covering on, so what does that mean? They would say God's name when their head was not covered. Right? Which to us sounds crazy. Because we'll see soon that, you know, we always cover our heads when we say God's name. But apparently the simple reading of that Gemara and Brachos is that at least in Talmudic times, maybe they didn't uh, always wear 
a kippa, you know, when saying God's name. So, you know, very, very interesting uh, Gemara. Um, and also, another just, you know, note on this issue in the Yerushalmi. We have the Gemara in Bavli and we have the Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi never mentions the concept of people wearing kippas. So apparently, uh, it wasn't as well known in, in that custom didn't emerge during those times probably, at least according to Professor Yitzchak Zimmer, it was a Babylonian custom. Okay. Um, also, the Ramam writes that Tamidi um, Chachamim would always wear an ituf. This is also mentioned in a different Gemara and Brachos, that before you daven or bench, you should have an ituf. And some understand that to be like when you put a talus over yourself. So there does seem to be a concept of covering yourself uh, before you daven. That's why you see a lot of people put the talus over their heads when they're about to start Amidah. But, again, not necessarily all the time. Okay? Good. Um, so, in the 17th century, we're moving from... So what we probably established pretty clearly is that during the time of the Rishonim, like Rashi, Ramam, Rush, Rif, um, kippah was already a known thing. Not a kippah, but a head covering. But it wasn't an obligation. Even later in history, in Jewish history, there were rabbis who argued that this is a custom, a good thing to do, but not an absolute obligation. Okay, so for example, the Shvut Yaakov is a huge rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov Reicher, in the 17th century, one of the Doliador. And he was asked a very interesting question. He says, um, it was like someone had to go in front of a duke, very important political situation, and yet uh, it was considered normal to take off your kippah, to not wear a head covering. So he was asked, would I be allowed to not wear a kippah in that situation? And the Shavuz Yaakov writes, you know what, there's no basis for the obligation to wear a kippah in Shas. In all of the Gemaras, you never find an obligation to wear it. Right? Which is the kind of the simple reading of what we've seen. And therefore, for Sholem Alchus to make peace, to not make uh, trouble, uh, he said you don't have to wear a kippah in that situation. Okay, so we already see a big Achron who's saying, you don't always have to wear a kippah. Uh, another huge rabbi in that camp is on the bottom of the second page, page 9, the Maharshal. Okay, right at the bottom. It's the second page Maharshal. No, it's on the... Uh, here, I'll show you. Right there. Okay. The Maharshal is Rabbi Shlomo Luria. And he writes, If not for the fact that my predecessors have forbidden saying God's name in prayer and blessings... I would allow saying blessings bareheaded. The prohibition of walking with head uncovered would only apply under the open sky. Okay, so he basically says, if we're up to me, just reading the Gemara simply like we saw, I don't think there's a problem to say God's name, to say bracha, without a kippah on my head. And he says, only when you're outside in the open sky, then there's a, a problem to not wear a kippah. But indoors, you can walk around without a kippah on your head. Right? It's a marshal. Again, this is hundreds of years ago when he wrote this. But uh, still, very, very surprising for 
you know, people like us, religious Jews, to hear such words from big rabbis. At the end of the day, he still says you should say wear a kippah when you say a bracha, because there are other rabbis who say that you, you should, and he's kind of too nervous to go against that. But he says, if it were up to me, you know, I would allow, even when saying God's name, and all the more so when I'm walking around, just not, not, not saying a blessing. Okay? Two, four final uh, sources, although there are many, in this custom camp. Okay? I keep it as custom camp. So, the Gra, in source 10, in uh, his commentary on the Orachayim, the Vilna Gaon wrote something maybe shocking. There is no prohibition at all to have your head uncovered. Okay? Only before great ones or in tefillah. Then, out of Musr, it's appropriate. So if you're davening, cover your head. If you have a big tamid chacham, have, uh, you know, decorum, you should wear a kippah on your head. That was back in the day, not, not today. Right. Everything we're talking about is we're now, you know, 300 years ago. But it's important to understand the history to eventually get to our modern day halacha. That the gra felt it's not an obligation, only under certain circumstances. Okay? And finally, Rav David Svi Hoffman wrote in Source 11 that in Rav Shimshin Rav Alhurst Yeshiva, when you would study algebra, when you would study science, you would actually take off your kippah. They would only wear kippah during the Talmudic uh, or the, the, the Jewish, the holy studies. Which is, again, shocking. Think of a, a great rabbi like uh, Rav Shimshin Rav Alhurst and even in relatively modern times, uh, they weren't wearing kippahs. And by the way, it's not even noted here, but you know, there certainly were many communities in Syrian communities and in other places throughout the world where kippah was not necessarily worn um, all the time. And that's why to this day, you'll, you know, in Brooklyn, I used to see sometimes totally religious Jews who don't wear kippah. Uh, it's rare nowadays, but you would see such things. But then when they, as soon as they go into shul, they would put a kippah on their head. As that seems to have been the custom in Syria and other Sephardi places. Okay. So now we're up to... That's, that's one piece of the coin. On the other hand, um, there are many other rabbis who write that actually kippah is not a, hal- a, a minog. Nowadays, it has become a halacha, an absolute din. So the top of that camp is someone known as the Taz. Okay, Rav David Tzvi Siegel writes an extremely important commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. And the Taz writes in Shulchan Aruch Orachayim Chet Gimel, we must protest Jews who take off their hats when they sit down in order to be like their non-Jewish counterparts. And this, when they do this, is a iser of uvechukoteim lo telechu. You should not go in the ways of the Gentiles. So what's, he's referring, what's the Tad's referring to? Who else, when they sit down, take off their hats? What's he referring to? Shai, what do you think? Just think about, you know, modern day practice. Which people, when they get to a certain holy place, do they take off their, their head coverings? Non-religious. So some non-religious do it, but even before the non-religious do it, the Christians. Yeah. 
That's it. When they go to church, they then take off their hat. So he's saying that when you're taking off your hat, when you sit down, it's almost like you're trying to emulate, you're trying to mimic the ways of the non-Jews. So that's an iser of of mimicking of um, and we're going to see that that taz come up in a little bit. Well, we're going to see that it's not not so well accepted by other by other acharonim, but we'll get back to that in a moment. The magin Avram is also an extremely important uh, acharon who the Mishnah Bura also uh, quotes all the time, and he too uh, writes that there is a absolute obligation to wear a kippah nowadays, but for him, it's a minhag machayev, a minhag that has become obligatory and accepted upon themselves by the entire Jewish people. Okay, so it's not that it's a din, but it's since the whole Jewish people have taken upon themselves as a, as a custom, we must do it. So it is obligatory, but not as on a, on a din level. Okay, so and we'll get back to that opinion of the Magin Avraham in a moment. Okay? So, practically speaking, when we want to understand, you know, how do we paskin nowadays, one of the first rabbis we're going to look to in the modern era is, of course, the Chafetz Chaim, the Mishnah Brura. Okay? He's become basically universally accepted by Orthodox Jewry as he's the first rabbi we're going to look to to understand how do we practice. So, Let's read the Mishnah Bura inside. We're in source 14. Midas chasidas, afilu pachos midalad almas. So, the Mishnah Bura writes that if you're going more than four almas, you're not allowed to walk without your bareheaded. Less than four almas, so I'm just hanging it out of my house. I'm going, I'm just doing two feet. So that is a, a, a holy thing to do, an extra, a bonus thing to do. Midas chasidus, but it's not an absolute obligation. But the Mishnah Bura writes to go more than six feet, the Mishnah Bura feels is an obligation. Okay? And Mishnah Bura even writes when you're going to bed at night, there's not an obligation but a nice thing to do to wear a kippah at, at night. I think uh, Chabadnikim are strict about doing that. You know, maybe it has to do with that metaphysical thing that kippah can like, kind of guard over you that we were talking about before, right? But there are those who say that even for almost is not an absolute obligation, but an extra righteous thing to do. So we see that the, that the Mishnah Brua brings this down as a machlokas. One opinion says that it's an obligation to not go more than four almas with a kippah, and another uh, opinion is that it's a minhag. It's a good thing to do, but it's not an absolute obligation. Okay, so he brings down both opinions. About but the Taz, remember the Taz we mentioned a moment ago? Uh, but he says nowadays, to, the Taz feels it's an absolute prohibition to go with your bareheaded. Even if you're just chilling in your house. 
And also the Mari Bruna writes this. The Mari Bruna writes that it's a become das Yehudis. That, you know, this is just the way that Jews dress. And therefore it's become like an Isser to not dress in this way. Um, and the Magen Avram, as we mentioned, says even for children, for little kids, it's nachon, not an absolute obligation, but it's a nice thing to get them used to wearing a kippah, to put a kippah, to put a head covering on their head. So they'll have the fear of God. Right? Where do we see that a child who had a head covering on their head? Remember? That was the first source we saw in the Gemara and Shabbos, right? Right? He's referring back to that Gemara. Okay, by the way, and he says, interestingly, that there is an opinion that you can actually just cover your head with your hand. But he's going to soon say that others don't hold of that opinion. Um, and so you should only do that if you're in an emergency situation. Like if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're really thirsty, and actually the Mishra Bru allows you to cover your head uh, with your hand, but he prefers if you take a, a, a clothing garment and puts it on your head. Okay? Um, fine. So, to summarize, okay, before we move to page four, to summarize, the Mishnah Bura brings basically two opinions and um, leaves it as like an open question whether it's an absolute obligation or just a good thing to do when you're going uh, six to eight almost. Okay? Um, at the same time, um, source 15, the fourth page, uh, the Shulchan Aruch writes in Orachan Sadik Aleph, Some say it's usher to say God's name with your, without a head covering. And there are those who say that you should protest going into shul uh, with your head uncovered. So the Bayer Halacha, which is the Mishnah Bureau's other uh, commentary, explains that and this is, there are sources in Shas, in Masechet Sofrim, which indicate there's an absolute obligation when you're saying God's name or when you walk into a shul or when you're learning Torah. Those are situations when you have an absolute obligation, halachically, to wear a kippah. But when it's not in those situations, it would be a minhag which has eventually evolved into becoming the, the minog of the Jewish people. So it's obligatory, but not to the same extent as when you go to shul or when you're saying God's name. So even though there, we saw the marshal would have argued with that, that's how the Shulchan Aruch rules that you should definitely, when you're saying God's name, you should have a, uh, uh, a, a kippah on your head. Okay? So, to summarize, the, the Pinini Halacha, who, you know, does a beautiful job of summarizing halacha in the modern day era. So the Panini halacha says, it's very clear, to him at least, that originally kippah was not an absolute obligation. But, just, there are many, many minhagim which have evolved throughout Jewish history. Take uh, Kitnios for Ashkenazim. It's originally a minhag, but now it's become a halachic obligation. I can give you 
ten other examples if I wanted to. And there, this too, it was originally a minog, and now it's become accepted by the Jewish people as a symbol of a religious Jew. And so even though originally it was just a custom, now it's a custom which also is halakhically obligatory. But because it's not completely a din under trying circumstances, as we'll see, under certain circumstances, we can be lenient. Clear? Okay. Beautiful. Um, so, for our uh, final segment, I just want to apply all of these situations to modern-day shilas that come up all the time. Okay, so let's throw a few out there. I'll throw a question out there. You'll make a suggestion, and then we'll see what the postkim suggests. Sounds good? Amazing. And I'm, I'm basing this on the deer shoe, modern-day postkim, and also Kanini Alacha and Ramosha Feinstein, modern-day rabbis. Okay. So, here's an interesting question. Um... Let's say my kippah falls off in the middle of a basketball game. Okay? Middle of a football game. Am I obligated to pick up my kippah in the middle of the play? Or can I wait till the end of the play and then put my kippah on? What do you think? Wait till after. Wait till after. Why? Because first of all, you're not dominating, you're not going to ensure you're playing sports. So oh. So... Interesting. I, I'm on a WhatsApp group of uh, Bednarsh, who is a big uh, Rosh Hashiva, big Talmud, of, of a rabbi who's a big Rosh Hashiva. I actually asked him this question. Uh, a lot of Tamidi Chachamim were listening. And he, he said, like you said, that you, you can wait till the end of the play. But next time, put Kippa clips on. Uh, but you don't have to immediately put the, the keep on. So I was trying to think, what's the rationale behind it? And I think, it's like we're saying... Yes, we sh- in normal circumstances we wear a kippah, but it, since it's just a minog, and maybe we, this, people weren't even playing basketball until modern times, the minog may have never encapsulated a situation where a kippah falls off in the middle of the play. So, if it falls off in the middle of the play, you could wait till the end of the play. At the same time, I would say that I do think it's really important, if possible, to wear a kippah um, when playing sports. Um, whenever possible. And why? I think for two reasons. One, because it's a kid of Shashem. You know, when people see you wearing a kippah, it means, it, it means you're proud. And two, um, you know, for you, when you're playing sports, you should know that you're representing the Jewish people and therefore hopefully you'll play with more midos and play in a different type of way. So I think it is really important whenever possible to put the keeper back on. Um, by the way, something really, you know, important to, to mention. So, how did kippah evolve to become so important? The Bini Halacha points out that in Talmudic times, men used to walk around, around with tefillin on their heads. Right? That was the normal yeah, way. People in the old city, didn't right? So now you see that people are walking around more often with tefillin on their heads because originally in Talmudic times, that's how people used to well, and nowadays we're afraid to do it because we're not going to have the right holy thoughts and we're not going to control our body. But you had kind of a, a normal Jewish identity that identified you as Jewish. Um, originally, in biblical times, people used, men used to wear tzitzis out in their outer garment with your four-cornered garment. Nowadays, we don't wear four-cornered garments. 
we go out of our way to wear four corner garment. But in other words, the Torah wants a Jew to look different. But because we don't wear tzitzis and we don't wear tefillin, so tzitzis kind of takes, I mean, I mean kippah kind of takes that place as the symbol of being a religious Jew. Okay? So therefore, there's, you know, special significance that it takes on. I think that's a brilliant insight that Ramah Ahmed points out. Okay, here's another question. Is, are you Yotze Kippah with one of those tiny, tiny little Kippahs? Is there a minimum size to wearing a Kippah? What do you think? Okay, so this too is a machlokas. So actually in Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's first tshuva in his sefer, um, he actually writes about this topic. And he writes that there is um, no minimal size. Even a tiny little bottle cap would count. He actually learns this from the Mishnah Bu, who says you can put a, a hand on your head and your hand's not necessarily so big. So he says, even a little thing. But, at the same time, he recommends, you know, he himself had a huge keeper. He recommends having a nice big one to show that you're not ashamed. There are other rabbis who felt that actually there should be a minimal size. Some say it should cover, Rosh Shlomo Kluger, I think, says it should cover like most of your head. Um, Ramlamet says personally, since it's a minog, we can be lenient. And so certainly you fulfill your obligation even with those little kippahs. But, it's a bigger Kiddush Hashem and it's a bitter, bigger way of showing uh, your pride to be Judea, Jewish by wearing a nice big kippah, certainly one that people can see that you're Jewish, you know, to show that you're not ashamed. Okay? Okay, a few more uh, practical... Also, the Chavadas writes that. Okay. Now, here's an interesting question. Can I remove my kippah if I feel that... I will uh, have a better chance at getting a job if I, uh, you know, take my keep off. Tough question, right? Tough question. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, what do you do, like, in a situation when you're not in Israel, per se, but most, for the most part, but, like, in the like United States and places that are not safe to wear, you know, Oh, so safety is a different thing. Okay. So that's another question. Can I take it off if I feel it's unsafe? Okay. So first of all, I mean, the simple answer, you could wear a hat. And then you're still wearing a head covering and you can still be safe. Um, personally, I never take off my kippah. I never took off my kippah. I just never felt like it was unsafe. And I never, you know, and I never felt like, uh, certainly in America, there was much anti-Semitism, thank God. So um, maybe in France, places like that, or once I was in Turkey, something places there where there is danger, I would put, maybe I'd put on a hat there. But I would never take off my kippah personally. Um, in fact, I have a lot of good stories where I was wearing a kippah in public schools, and, and people asked me good questions, and it was a good kiddush Hashem. So, thankfully, the the vibe in America, for the most part, is there's there's not I much. I think it's unfortunately changing. In some places, it might be changing, unfortunately. But I think there might be more paranoia and fear than reality. I think I don't feel any anti-Semitism walking around New York, you know, this summer personally. What, what parts of New York? Anywhere. Um, almost anywhere I, I walked, I didn't feel any... Uh, and I've been walking there my whole life. I, I never felt that, like anyone was uh, discriminating against me. But there certainly was a time when people did feel discriminated against. So Moshe Feinstein actually writes, it would be permitted to take off your kippah 
under those circumstances because a person is not obligated to lose all of his money and lose his job just because of a minog called kippah. Uh, again, I'm pretty sure that if Ramosha was asked this question today, he, he, he would answer differently because the, in most places in America, there is much less anti-Semitism than there was, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And it's very unlikely you would not get a job because you're wearing a kippah. Uh, but it depends on the circumstances. I'll tell you an interesting story. I just heard recently there was a guy who uh, had a question. Should he, should he, not about kippah, but about shaving. Should he shave or not shave uh, during the Omer, I believe? And he asked the question and he was told to not shave. And he shaved anyway. And the guy asked him, how do you know, how do I know I can trust you? He says, well, don't you see the keep on my head? I'm a trustworthy person. So he said, then how come you shave? How can I, how can I trust you to, you know, be a trustworthy person if you're breaking your laws? And he, he actually didn't get the job. So I think actually sometimes wearing a keep is an advantage. What about like, Okay, so that's a great question also for a different year. Can I, uh, can I shake a person's hand, you know, if they put her hand out? Like the simple answer is yes, because it's not called Derek if, if you're shaking your hands, or Moshe Feinstein also allowed it under that circumstance. Yeah. And then you have to have the door open also. Right. But nowadays, with Corona, you could just do this, and people would understand. Yeah, you could still do it. you still get away with it. Um, okay. Um, what else? A few more modern day shilas. We'll, we got uh, well, five more minutes, and then I'll I'll end with a, a challenge and a, and a final story. Just make sure I, I got the basic uh, modern day shilas. Just run through some quickies. Uh, one second. What are the questions? Keep up. Okay. What about when I'm sitting? Should I remove my kippah if I'm going to a place I shouldn't go? Moshe Feinstein says no. You should wear the kippah. Just because uh, uh, just because you're doing one thing wrong doesn't mean you should do another thing wrong. And maybe because you're wearing the kippah, you'll do you'll act a little bit more appropriately. Um, so that's also very interesting modern day Shaila. Uh, one more question I have here. One second. Can I say shalom to my friend if his head is uncovered? So, Rosh Hashanah says yes. Can I offer someone food if his head is uncovered? It's a good kasha. It's not so clear. But at the same time, we want to make peace with people. We want people to come close to Judaism. So maybe it would be permitted. Like in the army situations, it seems like there's reason to be lenient. Do I have to wear a keeper when I'm putting my tefillin on? Mr. Brewer says yes. Um, should children wear a keeper? Ideally, yes. They don't have to. Does it make a difference if you're inside or outside? Luckily, at the end of the day, the Mishnah says it doesn't matter. Inside and outside, we're machmir. Um, 
Uh, fine. So there's a few shilas. Um, end with a challenge and a final story. So, Rabbi Nathan Lopez Cardoza writes that he was a Balchuba. And when he first started putting on his kippah, it meant a lot to him. He felt like he was making a statement and he really noticed it and it brought the fear of God upon him. But now that he's been doing it for so many years and he's a rabbi, he feels like it lost its power, lost its magic. Because he's just so used to it. And so my question is, how do we make sure that the kippah doesn't just become another thing that we do? How do we actually imbue the kippah with meaning and significance and fear of God in our daily lives? So, what do you think? You do like the mitzvot that is required like you. No, but I'm saying with the kippah, how do we actually make the kippah to be a meaningful act that actually brings... You do the brachot and when you eat, also you wear the... But I'm saying, right now, let me ask you, Shai. Does kippah actually bring more fear of God into your life? On a practical level, when you put on a kippah, do you feel like you're more being, aware of Hashem? I think more being in Israel does. Okay, so how do we make sure that the kippah actually brings the person the fear of God and the awareness of God? It's different. Like for some people, yes, and for some people. So how do we make it for you and for me? So I, I'll, I'll end that with that challenge. I'll, I'll give one suggestion. Though. There is an idea that when you daven, you should wear a special garment of clothing. I mentioned the Gemara. So I wonder if I started wearing a special kippah just for davening, at least for davening, I would feel like it's something different, something special, it's something that, you know, awakens me. And then when I switch back to my kippah during regular day, at least I'll have a little bit more awareness of it during the day. So that's maybe one practical idea uh, of how to make it a little bit more meaningful, also to enhance our davening. And with uh, an interesting final story. So Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach was once giving a, uh, a concert in Russia. And this is the first time that, you know, you were allowed to talk about religion after the USSR had collapsed. And so these children and people had never ex- been exposed at all to religion. And Roshulman was shocked how open and thirsty they were for Torah and Tefillah. And, and at the end of it, he brought, you know, a couple of pairs of tzitzis, some sidurim, but he didn't have enough to, to give so, um, in the end, everyone says, please, please, we need some way to connect to our Judaism. So you give this guy a sitter and you give this. And he had nothing left. And one kid comes up to him and says, what about me? So Shlomo gave his tefillin, um, his grandpa's tefillin to this kid. And then there was one kid left. He was about to get on the plane and says, what about me? How am I going to hold on to my Judaism? And Shlomo felt like he had no choice. He took his own kippah and he put it on the kid's head. And uh, not discussing whether halachically it was right, it was wrong. What? But uh, I just think about how much that kippah must have meant to that kid. And I wish, you know, sometimes I get to dance at the kotel, and I sometimes get to switch kippahs and put my kippah on somebody else. And I like to give kippah clips to people. Oh, and I just feel like I, w- I, w- I bless us that we should have one tenth of the meaning in our kippah wearing that that kid has when he wears that kippah. So, like, I was once at the 